welcome to the U.S. Chamber of Cannabis. My name's Scott, I go by The Professor, and welcome to the show, everybody. Now, last year, I took over 3,200 dabs on my e-rig, and I thought it would make a lot of sense to kind of do a year in review about exactly what that was like, not only as far as the device, but the costs financially, as well as the sort of biological costs. You know, was it was it good for me? Was it bad for me? Do I regret it all, or do I regret nothing? You know, it kind of reminds me of something that I've seen a lot, you know, being sort of a part-time car enthusiast, uh, you know, reading a lot of like uh, car magazines when I was younger. I remember in like Car and Driver, one of those publications, they would have a section in the back where they would do reviews of cars sort of in real time, right? Like they, they let one of the journos go home with the vehicle to drive it around for a week or a weekend. And then every once in a while, they'd have somebody just keep a car for the entire year. And kind of do like a very long review of what's it like to live with that vehicle. And that's kind of what I wanted to tap in here today is after a year in review of using an e-rig, traveling a lot, dare I say, you know, more than I'm absolutely used to. And some of the challenges with it, you know, I was able to kind of figure out exactly what is best for which. And I have a couple of different electronic devices, so we'll go over uh, a piece on each of them just to see maybe what's the best thing to spend your money on and, uh, and of course, all the other gorgeous things we already mentioned. So let's get into it. So uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you've already seen one of these images as I posted it recently of my little Bluetooth dashboard for my Puffco Peak Pro. So of course, Puffco makes a couple different devices. I own every single one, well, except for the hot knife. I, I haven't brought myself into spending on that one yet. My regular tools work just fine, but I started out with a first generation Puffco Plus, and that's the little mobile dabber pen. Actually, I had a buddy, uh, Kevin, who lent me his just so I could sort of try it out as I was just getting into dabs maybe like two and a half, three years ago. Uh, after that, I was able to acquire my own because he wanted his back after like a couple months. And so I, at that point, was like, damn, this is a good damn tool. But I remember a lot of folks telling me that, you know, the Puffco Plus the little mobile dabber pen wasn't really God's gift, uh, that there are other better options, things like Clout make them, Yokan makes them, you know, there's a lot of sort of devices in that space of handheld sort of pocket-sized mobile dabbers. And they all suffer from a similar sort of design, I wouldn't say flaw, but limitation might be a better word. You know, as a guy who used to be a machinist and I worked for at least a decade in various forms of manufacturing, I realized that, you know, if you want to get a handheld device up to like four or 500 degrees, good luck having a hand at the end of that, right? We all know that that's dangerous territory if you want it all self-contained. You can hold a torch. Of course, the flame is shooting away from you if you have it pointed at the right thing if, naturally. So it was obvious that, you know, these mobile handhelds, just like the packs and any of the flower vapes, they're all going to have this one intimate issue, which is how do you get it hot enough to really be effective? It's pretty much the same issue as somebody if they thought, maybe I'll make a pocket-sized deep fryer. And be like, how the hell are you going to get it up to temp and not spill it all over the place? And that's pretty much the same two major issues you might have with the Puffco Plus or any mobile dabber is it works until it doesn't. The cleaning is very like sort of toothpick and fingernails level. You have to clean them a lot more often. Uh, you really have to mine the battery. And then... If those things don't bother you, the one biggest sort of caveat to this technology is if you turn one of those mobile dab pens around the wrong way, 
it can leak into your pocket if conditions are right. You know, if you just took a dab and there's some reclaim left, there's not usually anything stopping it from getting out. Not at least in the Puffco situation. I think other pens, they've sort of managed this issue in some way, shape, or form. So I went from the Puffco Plus up to the Peak, the uh, original Puffco mobile dabbing rig. Because now we have glass involved. We have a chamber atomizer that's detachable. You know, it's got three to, uh, I think it was only just three different um, modes of heat. Phenomenal device, ceramic chamber, no complaints at all. I was able to get mine for a little cheaper because I was working in the industry at the time, so I got like an employee discount, but it was still a couple hundred bucks. I think still over $200 regardless. I want to say they currently go for maybe between two and 300 so I haven't checked on them too recently, but I was absolutely enamored with it. I want to say over the lifetime that I had it, I went through two chambers, which are like the atomizer sort of headpieces, if you will. Sort of like a, a bowl head for a bong type of thinking. It's where the it's where the, the product goes so you can consume it. And in the Puffco Peak, they do tend to, you know, have issues maybe a little quicker. Because, you know, that area fills up with reclaim, starts to get really hot. And I think each of mine died for pretty much the same reason. I wasn't cleaning it a whole lot. And then I started cleaning it a bunch. But because I was very aggressive with cleaning it, again, being ex-machinist, I kind of use probably tools that are a little more uh, ridiculous than they need be. I was cleaning the hell out of it, and I broke one of the wires inside of it as it has like a little ceramic plate with two or well, a wire that passes through it as a resistor. Uh, and I broke one of those wires, so it was DOA. So after replacing the chamber, I think about twice over the lifetime of it, I remember uh, going to one of the dispensaries, uh, meeting up with somebody that I knew afterwards, and, uh, and they pulled out this whole new device, right? The Puffco Peak Pro. And I had seen it plenty on the shelves and online, but it was my first time kind of seeing it in the flesh or I guess in the glass, plastic, and lithium battery. Uh, now, it's a little taller because the glass has maybe an inch or an inch and a half on it just to try to help out with sucking up the water. I think the original Peak Pro had the issue where if you pull really hard, you're, you might drink some of the, the water in like the, the water filtration bong area of the glass. Now, I don't think that was a problem for most folks. And for me, it stopped being a problem a while before I even upgraded to the Peak Pro because I was very mobile with my dabbing. I constantly driving around, traveling for work. And so I ended up keeping my peak on me uh, probably 90, 95% of the time, sort of have it in a little stash logics box on its side so I could fit everything in it, all the gear you need to be successful on the road. And I would drive around with it in kind of like a, a glorified lunch pail. Anybody who knows me knows exactly what I'm talking about. And if you check my Instagram, uh, US Chamber of Cannabis, uh, you will see Ricky Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, signing that very stash that I keep that Puffco tucked inside of. So now, now it's a stash box I may never get rid of given uh, now, it, I, I don't know if it's really valuable, but it's at least unique, or at least I can't replace it so easily. So after traveling around with that peak on its side, uh, whenever I used water, it would always generally come on out the top hole, right? And it would get everywhere. And I think we all know how terrible it can be when you are traveling around smelling like bong water. It's, it's nobody's perfume to want to wear. So I just got used to dry dabbing. And I'll be honest with you, there's a guy named Parker. Shout out Parker. I'm not sure you're a listener, but if you are, this one's for you. Uh, this guy named Parker... At Phenomenal Rosin, 
he ended up uh, running it dry as well. I guess he was also a very mobile individual. And although I didn't necessarily take inspiration from him, I realized he gave me a preview into my own future in a matter of ways because I am a dry dabber at this point, at least in my e-rigs. So, you know, I got used to dry dabbing, although every once in a while you run into a crowd of people, you form a crop circle to share, and everybody starts asking why, why the professor's rig has no water in it. But for the most part, whether it be the Peak or the Peak Pro, whenever anybody hit my rig, uh, you know, dry, and it's easy to replicate if you want to try it at home and have one of these, it's really not that much different. You know, I don't feel like it's like such a massive spike in temperature per se. It's not really a massive upset in any other way. The main difference I found outside of spilling it all over my like weird weed case was that um, just like in a good bong, you know, after you've sort of work cycled the fluid a while, it starts to get a little dirty. And when you're talking dabbing, that means like some of the terps and the other fats and stuff start to collect inside of the water. Now, it doesn't turn like that kind of gross color as quickly as a bong does, right? You're not combusting anything, you're not burning it to that carbon state. So I'd say the water stays cleaner a little longer, but right at the edge of the water, kind of like, you know, where film or foam might collect, um, that's really the area that I started to see maybe adding water was giving me more work to do, really in the cleaning process. Because if you think of it, uh, as you get the atomizer up to temp, everything turns to vapor state. And you're hoping that that vapor state goes all the way into your lungs. Now, the water is there to cool the vapor, but although it is cooling it, which is going to help with throat temp and mouth temp and hopefully coughing temperature as well, the other thing it does is it can cool it so quickly that some of it will re-solidify right, inside of that glass chamber. And when it re-solidifies, now it's like a solid cannabis oil in there. And I think as we all know, cannabis is a bitch to clean, right? It is absolutely not uh, easy to move around unless you have the right alcohol and other substances. Generally alcohol, from what I can tell, is, is the main cleaner. Uh, and so it kind of made it where, although I would still get a cooler hit, I kind of felt like I didn't want to have to clean it as often, especially since it keeps spilling on everything. So I went and dry for kind of two reasons, easier to move around and easier to clean. At this point, uh, also, if you look at my Instagram, you'll see me do a pull away of the glass after what I would imagine is about three weeks to maybe at the most a month of using it without cleaning it. And so I know that you can beat up these rigs pretty well and they'll keep kicking. Certainly, that's what killed my original Peak Chamber a couple of times. But with the Peak Pro, I can say it has really been taking a licking and, and keeps on ticking, sticking. I'm not sure which one of those is more appropriate. But it uh, it's a workhorse. I've replaced the atomizer chamber one time only on the Puffco Peak Pro. Um, I also bought one of the 3D chambers for it. So anybody who's in the know about these things, they do sell an additional sort of upgraded chamber called the 3D chamber. It'll cost you close to $100, 90 maybe if you're lucky. And this chamber is better, they say, because much like the defroster on your car rear window, it's kind of got like heating rails around the edges of the bowl, not just on the bottom. You know, most of these e-rigs are just going to have like a bottom heated surface like most pots and pans when you put them on the stove, right? The heat only comes from the bottom. And so the bottom will be a hot plate and the sides will be relatively hot, but not the same temperature. So the 3D chamber, right, if you think three-dimensional, it, it tries to warm from all sides, not just from the bottom. So you do have to clean it a little bit more. And you know how I feel about cleaning already. So I have it sort of in reserve 
or special occasion sort of. And honestly, it's sort of like a great spare tire because it's an upgrade, but I'm going to beat the hell out of the current atomizer until I absolutely need the upgrade at least. So the 3D chamber is off on the side. I'm only on chamber number two. Uh, although I did run into one other issue, I'd say, over the course of this year, sort of road testing this Puffco. Uh, and that issue was I did break the glass. I might have mentioned this before uh, on the podcast, but I uh, was on the way to a Tenacious D concert in September. And I just cleaned the rig nice and pristine because, as you know, if I clean a rig, it's going to take some time with how much I like to abuse them. And right as my ride pulled up, I turned to grab it to leave, completely flubber lugged it, knocked it over, and broke the top mouthpiece of the glass right off. You know, at that point, it was pretty much just a broken bottle. And you don't want to put your mouth on a broken bottle, my friends. I think that makes sense. So in the moment of panic, I was like, oh, crap, what do I do? What do I do? And funny enough, I looked over to my original Puffco Peak, which was sitting ignored and rather unused for the last year. And I recalled, well... Thankfully, Puffco has standardized things, the stuff we love at the U.S. Chamber, standardization in cannabis, right? It doesn't exist too much. But in this moment, I really did have a great solution to the problem, and I grabbed the old glass piece and was able to pop it right into the same base because they all fit, or they all should fit at least. And I was able to make it off to a nice Tenacious D show with my dabs and Puffco in tow. And so I immediately felt like, wow, I just broke it. And I can still use it, you know, obviously having had the old generation to be able to use it as a spare for parts. So I was really, really enamored with the Puffco this year. And as you can see from the title of the episode, I took over 3,200 dabs on this rig this year. And some folks out there might be like, what did you keep, tally? Right? Do I have like a massive piece of paper, or like an Excel spreadsheet documenting all of the dabs that I took in the year, you know, one by one, minute by minute? You know, more likely I do it on a cell phone, but I can tell you right now that is not at all the case. I, I'm not that good at records keeping. Uh, thankfully, the Puffco Peak Pro has Bluetooth technology. So, although I'm using an Apple iPhone and it does require you to download a browser that's Bluetooth enabled to kind of do a go around, I was able to hook my Puffco up to my phone. And it has all sorts of amazing things. You can set temperature, you can set the light pattern, you can put it in a party mode. Uh, do all sorts of fun things internally that kind of customize it, make it feel a little more individualized. But what I thought was super cool about it, and honestly, a feature I wish every electronic device had. I understand why they might not do it, but I know my phone kind of does it on its own, and obviously the Puffco does it, which is a counter, like a, a usage counter or like a lifetime sort of metrics page. Now on the Puffco, it'll tell you through the Bluetooth exactly what temperature it's at currently, like ambient air temp. It'll tell you what temperatures you set it to, obviously color and length of each session. And it also has a dab counter, which means it tells you the amount of times you've hit that button. Now, certainly not every session is a full session. Some sessions you hit it once and you go right back and, and hit it again during the reclaim phase. And sometimes you maybe hit it once and turn it off halfway through because maybe something happened and you had to stop early. But I assume it's counting every time you at least engage it to turn on. And I hit a number that was like 3,200 and change by the end of December. Now, I had bought this originally on December, I want to say 23rd of 2021. So by December 23rd of 2022, I checked it and saw that I had just crossed 3,200 dabs. I think I'm somewhere in the 3,300s right now as I still continue to use it. But it was kind of interesting to me because that's a lot of dabs, man. Like that's 
somewhere just under 10 a day. I think the device said seven and change, like 7.7. So realistically about eight. And I know from my personal habit that I was pretty much averaging 10 to 12 dabs a day by the device's standards until maybe November. And then I started to sort of reduce my overall use. One, I was just traveling a lot, so it was kind of hard to keep your gear with you in stock. But two, I started to notice a couple of things that were happening as a result of such a flagrant amount of dabbing, some which were good, some which were neutral, and some which I was glad to begin avoiding if I could. Now, it's sort of a tendency of mine to like test things, right? It's just the way I'm built. I'm very, very curious. So I like getting something new and kind of poking it to see where the softest spot is, right? Sort of like Jurassic Park. They're, they're testing the fences, right, to see if there's a weak spot. And it's more like, you know, I probably could have had a job at the Consumer Protection Agency because I really do love the idea of seeing if what I bought was worth it. Maybe it's something from being an ex-machinist and actually having to make like the individual parts. And I worked as a repairman for a little bit with guitars. So I was kind of used to being the one who would like talk shit on a manufacturer if I didn't think they were doing it right anymore. I think we all probably figure out that something that we like you know, the, the person who's really into Apple cell phones, they probably got a good hot take about what they can't stand about Apple cell phones kind of thing. And so I kind of felt like, yeah, this is just something that's in me. I like to sort of test, check, analyze, and make sure. And so I can at least say that for the Puffco line of products, I've only really talked about three, the, the Plus, the Peak, and the Pro. The Pro is absolutely the best thing they make. It is worth the extra 100 or a couple more dollars that it might be. Um, because it not only does it give you all that Bluetooth great stuff, but also given what I just did to it, I have now just used a device over 3,200 times in a year. It's only just really one button, right? And it gets hot as heck and it still works. It still works great. I mean, really no complaints. I broke the glass. I kind of killed that first atomizer. Really the main base and everything is still rocking. I'm kind of wondering, you know, when the lithium battery might start to show signs of age. I could always just recharge it again, but like an old cell phone, we assume at some point maybe it won't keep the charge as healthily. Now, I'd been using the Peak, cruising, loving it, obviously, 10 dabs a day consistently. And then right around maybe June, July, actually, no, I don't think it was that early. I want to say this is like October, in all honesty. I ended up buying the Proxy, right? And for anybody who doesn't know, the Proxy is the newest device that Puffco has released. It looks kind of like a Sherlock or like a, a pipe, if you will. And it uses that same 3D technology I mentioned earlier with like the upgraded atomizer kind of chamber. And it comes with that. So it's a slightly smaller head, but it still fits plenty of cannabis. Don't worry about that. And it comes in like a glass blown like Sherlock piece and it fits right in there. Whole idea with the proxy is that it's modular. Now I took it on the road with me for a trip I had to take just thinking like, well, this is especially travel size, right? It's got a little zipper case, everything self-contained. Thought I'd probably just found the, the next new best thing since the Pro. But it didn't quite live up to the Pro at all. I mean, given very different devices. Still an amazing piece. If you like modular dabbing thinking, then by all means, please, go get yourself a proxy. But to me, for another $100, you get a much better device around the $400 price point with the Pro. The proxy, for being the newest thing, doesn't have Bluetooth. It's got a really small battery because it's a really self-contained system. So it's, you know, very, very small, very, very easy to travel. And now given, you know, if you want to stick inappropriate dabs and a watermelon and a weird pipe, like you can kind of use it to make anything a dab rig. And that I think is more the sales point. But if you're trying to find the best thing you could spend your couple of hundred, right, three, four hundred dollars on, 
I can tell you right now that the buck stops at the pro. You can buy all the accessories you want, but the pro is worth it. I actually had a, a buddy of mine, Fia Ravine, on Instagram reach out to me and say, hey, I saw that proxy. I was thinking of uh, going towards it. What do you think? And I was like, I mean, get it if you have the extra money. But if, if it's one or the other, get the damn pro. It is phenomenal. And so, you know, dab to dab, I would say the proxy gives you maybe 60%, 60, that's what I was saying, 60% of the same level of effectiveness as the Peak Pro. And if you have like a normal rig, right, and this is all nonsense to you, you already know that nothing is better than your own rig. Nothing is better than you being able to sort of warm it up and kick it out yourself. But I can very much say that if you don't feel like using the flame torch and all the consumables and costs and, and, and things like that, then the Peak Pro would be my suggestion because, boy, has it been impressive. Now, that's why it was so easy, right, to average 10 dabs a day. But in levels of personal cost, right, it, I was going up eh, probably through about three grams of oil a week. Now, of course, I get to get a discount on that sometimes. And every once in a while, you just find some cheap gear in like a wreck market state. Thank God Jersey is wreck and some things are starting to get a little cheaper, slowly but surely. But it was still well over $100 a week. So we know we're talking four or $500 a month worth of cannabis moving through your rig and also through your human body. So let's just say that this is not a, a cheap hobby. Uh, hopefully you do not have as much medical issues as I do because a lot of that was just enjoying the headspace. But, you know, to be absolutely serious, I have like 11 pretty significant injuries I've attained over life from sciatica to lumbar issues to compressed discs to patella tendinitis to cortisone injections into bone spurs because of my wrist, pinched nerves in the thumb, pinched nerves in the neck. Uh, you know, I, I've been living a hell of a life. So a lot of the dabbing was, you know, dealing with anxiety and pain as you do. That's probably about five dabs a day, but the other five, that was for the old professor, just getting my head right and making sure I could still, you know, enjoy some parts of life in the craziest times of the modern day. And so, you know, f fiscally, 3,300 dabs in a year is, ugh, it's going to cost you quite a bit of money. But secondarily, what's the biological cost, right? How much did I pay in pounds of flesh? Because I would imagine that there's a lot of folks out there, if you've taken one good dab off of a traditional rig, it's like, boy, sometimes it's hard to take like two dabs in an evening. How can you take over 3,200 in a year and still have like teeth or a brain or any thoughts in your head or things to say? Besides like, that was good weed. And believe me, I, I, I'm very sure at this point that there are individuals I know and probably do not know that if they were to have attempted the same level of inebriation that I did this year, the same level of drip, that they would be running into some unfortunate mental or physiological issues because that is just a lot of abuse on the rig and on the body. But for me, you know, I tend to take more than most people, I'd say, in a lot of areas, whether that be medication or other things, and I like to push, right? I like to try and experiment a lot. So although the initial part of the year, I wouldn't say I noticed that my consumption was rather extreme. It wasn't until maybe after summer as we started getting to the fall and winter that I started to feel what I would say is maybe the negative side effects from such an aggressive year of dabbing. Because uh, from the dental side, right, the, the immediate visible side, you know, my teeth were fine. They might be a little more yellowed, you know, because they've just been worked. But I do drink a lot of tea, so it's kind of tough to know where the teacup or the tea stain stops 
and the weed stains begin, but I'm sure I'm not helping myself out, just hitting a bunch of stainable sort of habits. But beyond that, I did kind of see my gums recess a little bit. Now, not enough to really be much of a problem, but enough to feel like if I keep doing this, I'm going to have a problem. Now, it reminds me of a gentleman I know named Rob who was a big... uh, a big nicotine vapor. He had like one of those mechanical mods and you know, he liked to vape constantly, probably more than I like to dab and he smokes weed on top of that, right? So that's a lot of it's a lot of work in the mouth region if you want to think of it that way. And if you think about heat and what it does to your mouth, well, every part of your body hates temperature above a certain amount and so you're hitting your mouth with 3 400 degrees all the time, 5 600 sometimes if you hot dab. You're damn right your gums are trying to run away from it. You know, I've mentioned it before. Your teeth will get a little warmer. That'll make your gums reduce even more, right? It's kind of anti-organic temperatures. And so after doing that much dabbing for a while, I did ask my dentist, hey, like, do you see anything that I don't kind of? Like, am am I causing myself undue issues? And although I do grind my teeth a lot, she was more interested in, like, the grinding issues I had than the vaping uh, potential issues I'm creating. But I myself could notice that like my front teeth were getting a little more sensitive you know when I'm flossing it kind of feels like ooh, it's getting a little like touch and go when you really get into like the the armpit of your teeth and gums area like when you're really getting up close to the bifurcation it gets a little sensitive you know and hot and cold fluids and hot and cold foods all started to present a little bit more aggressively on the palate just because right less gums less protection for the teeth more sensitivity I think it makes a lot of sense so one of the reasons why I was in the mood to reduce my overall consumption was, well, to really be able to avoid further dental problems. I can tell you that what I spent at the dentist in a year uh, would probably embarrass what I spent in dabs in a year sometimes, right? You ever get a root canal? Do you know how much they cost? Thousands of dollars, my friends. There's no such thing as a cheap root canal, uh, or at least there's no such thing as a cheap root canal you should pay for. You definitely want it to be a one and done situation when you can. And so I thought, you know, probably better to start avoiding those other issues in the mouth. You do have to try to keep your teeth for your whole life if you're lucky. And so I thought, all right, this is one good reason to maybe start reducing. I still dab plenty, but I'm probably at about half mast. Even on a day like today, it's almost 5 o'clock, and I haven't taken a single dab. So I don't think there's any way I'm going to do 10 between, you know, 5 o'clock and, like, sleep time at night. That'd be like every half hour on the hour, and that's kind of crazy for my brain state as well. But it's kind of funny because, you know, although my mouth suffered mildly, I wouldn't say as much as it has during my blunt rolling and smoking days. I mean, three blunts in a day might not be as much total inebriation as like 10 dabs in a day, but I almost feel like maybe the damage from the blunts is worse. All the nicotine and carcinogens and and mixtures of combustibles, you know, it, it comes at you hot. And so I feel like there's the potential... I'm sure you're not winning any contest with one versus the other, but I I would say yuck mouth was definitely more accessible through blunt smoking than super dabbing, at least for this little boy. But the area that started to become a little bit more of a concern, and I I really do mean a little bit more of a concern, wasn't ever major, but it was enough to be significant, was my mentals, right? Because you don't want to become that stoner who just forgets everything. You don't want to become that guy who lives in a van down by the river. We all want to stay as clever and snappy as we are, just hopefully, you know, less stressed and very accepting of others. And so there's kind of a middle line because if you smoke enough weed, right, it puts you into a good mood. But if you smoke too much weed, it starts to kind of remove your access to yourself. Like even if you wanted me to sing that song or come up with a quick joke, like I'm kind of clocked out. And so I did experience that more often, not really in the first half of the year because of just how much was going on. It was a tough year. But on the back half, you know, as things started to maybe rebalance, 
as my stress started to trigger a little bit less and then obviously going to the holidays a little bit more, I realized I was consuming the same amount of cannabis day in and day out, but every day was a little different. So I wasn't really matching you know, my dose to my day. I was just going through the motions. And as a result, there were days I found myself in the headspace I wasn't looking for as a result of overdabbing or super dabbing, whatever you want to call it. As I became healthier in my habits and behaviors, uh, the weed started to become less of a help and more of a hindrance at times. So there were days I would wake up and be like, I got to make a bunch of content today. I got to record. I got to put up a post on something. Got to write some emails for the chamber, you know. And I still have a full-time job and a wife and all these other things going on in life. And, you know, there's sometimes I would take the right dab and just move through it all gracefully like water. But there's other times I would take that dab or two dabs before I get into things and just be like, man, I just don't want to do any of that shit anymore right now. Like I am truly outside of the realm of reason. I just want to sit and chill. And I know that some of that was because if you have a very busy year and you use some cannabis, it can kind of force you towards relaxation. That's probably the healthiest thing for me. But I realized it wasn't time for relaxing on that specific day yet. Maybe not at that specific hour of the day. But now I got a big old cannabis obstacle in my path and I just have to let it ride kind of right. I just have to go through it. So there were some days that whether I liked it or not, it would just put me into relaxation mode and I wouldn't do a whole lot. Now, I don't consider that bad either. You know, I I overwork myself to some extent. So getting some forced chemically induced relaxation, eh, it's probably relatively good for me. What I noticed in some of those moments when it would sort of be more interruptive is in the memory area, right? Like I, I consider myself to have a pretty solid memory at times. It's almost photographic, right? Depends on how traumatic the event was, but it does seem that I do have a tendency to remember things a lot better than my my peers at this age where I'm almost 40. I know sometimes the memories probably starting to loosen a little bit. So the big question in my head was, now that I'm older, right? I was smoking weed on and off since I was 16, but ever more on, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, Am I helping myself out or am I really destroying my, you know, 30s and 40s brain? Am I going to end up being that 60, 65-year-old who has great stories but can't remember a single thing about them? Or am I still going to be me, right? Professor Scott here just kicking it out with some interesting analysis and details. I like who I am. I like what my brain does, but sometimes you do need to shut it off. So I wondered, was there going to be like a permanent issue or something I should be afraid of? I think we all, depending on your level of consumption, you know, have access to that opportunity of thought. And I can say that there was a couple of times in November and December where it was like, I don't feel like I'm thinking as clearly the next day. Like, you know, you you smoke as much weed as you went to the night before and you wake up a little burnt, but it might be later in the day. And I realized, I think it's just continuing. Like I'm not getting a true break, right? It's sort of like trying to get to sleep and not getting any good rest. You realize it just feels like you laid there until tomorrow started. It doesn't feel like there was a transition. And so every once in a while, there'd be a couple of days that might chain together where you were like, have I have I just been like in a high brain this whole time? Because it kind of doesn't feel like it ever stopped. If it's 10 dabs a day and there's only 16 hours in a day, that's like a dab every 1.6 hours. Let's put that to the estimation of like hour and a half. So a little bit of sleep doesn't seem like it would get rid of that. And there were times, I know I've been honest with this crowd, if you've heard me in previous episodes, where due to how terribly I sleep, you might end up waking up two times in a night, right? To pee, you think, but you're up for a little while longer. And then I had an old practice where I would, you know, find something mercing heavy and dab it four in the morning and try to get that last two hours of sleep if you can, you know, two or three hours if you're lucky. And so then you wake up and you're like, wow, it doesn't feel like I'm any more sober than I was when I went to bed. And I was flipping high when I went to bed. 
And so now you have to sort of start to decide, at least in my situation, I had to start to decide, do I want this to continue? Like, am I going to start losing ground where I just haven't even been experiencing like reality and the way it presents to me soberly? You know, after 20 plus years of consuming cannabis, it's probably a fair time to ask that question because I think a lot of folks run into that a lot earlier. You know, I got some extra brain I might be able to kind of deprioritize or abuse a bit, but not everybody has that condition. And so I would say that for a lot of folks, most people even, unless you were already on a super dab course of action, if you start ranking your dabs up to 10 a day, 3,000 a year, you might start running into some mental issues. Now, the thing that I know because I study cannabis way too much is that when you cycle off of cannabis, you just have to cycle off of THC potentially. You can still use CBD and THCV and these other analogs to cannabis because they are different molecules, so they do work differently. And I found myself in a position where I was like, well, maybe I've been wearing a rut in this THC path. Maybe I really want to utilize a different approach. And so I actually have these gummies, these Incredibles that are made with THCV as the main cannabinoid. It's like 10 milligrams of that. And they are phenomenal, number one. Just THCV, uh, in the last week I found, I am a very big fan. But also, it's a different cannabinoid. So it's not using the same receptor in the same way. It might be using other receptor groups. And as a result, I am able to detolerate from THC a little bit. After just a handful of days, I realized, man, I took like four dabs today. And I'm like, I'm out of it, right? Like I can barely reach what I had before. It truly is something you sort of have to work your way up purposefully to 10 dabs a day. But as soon as I took two or three days where I wasn't hitting that, I was using other sort of strategies to achieve relief, cycling with other products and edibles especially because I think this is going to be an edibles year. I realized, man, like I'm, I'm kind of getting back to fresh lungs again. And it was the sort of thing which made me realize, well, you know, those tests that I read where they say if you, if you take a tea break, you stop using cannabis for like two weeks to a month, the body does return to a relatively normal splay of biology, you know, probably between two weeks and two months, I would say, at least for how deeply soaked I have been for as long. And so I thought, well, let's, let's ring in the new year with a different approach because I don't think the next dab is going to teach me much more than 3,300 dabs have already taught me. I certainly don't necessarily want to create more wear and tear than is due. And edibles kind of feel like the perfect thing in that aspect because there's really not a whole lot of wear and tear. Just put it in your belly, your liver takes care of it, and it goes systemic. I don't have to worry about my teeth and my lungs being taxed and, and, and exploited to an extent where you might be coming back with a little less functionality than you started with. Right? We all know emphysema is possible with cannabis, and none of us wants to be there wheezing our way through the rest of our lives so i thought well as i usually do i like getting relief from many sources edibles vapes dabs flour you know topicals and transdermals as well and if you i'd say evenly even with maybe a little bias find your relief through many products uh, you're going to be in a great spot but if you go 3300 dabs in a year over 3200 you will find yourself with maybe a, a kind of a dry throat maybe some gum issues your head might be a little foggy for a time and I'm glad to say that it's been clearing up. It's been the sort of thing where, you know, on a day now, I'm like, eh, maybe I'll dab like eh, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock to start. There's just a lot of other things going on. And, and it's a very busy year we have ahead with the chamber. Uh, we're planning to do maybe two to three festivals in the state of Pennsylvania. Just got uh, our first donation of this year of 2023. Uh, big shout out to uh, Bearded Guy Collective for sending us a little bit of uh, cash so we can start to really build the new things we want to this year. And I realized, you know, with that and the full-time job and all the other things going on, 
you know, I do need some clarity of headspace. So it isn't to say that I think like anything bad happened. I just realized this is no longer the tool that I need for the job ahead. And it would make a lot of sense in life if you always had the tool you needed for the job. You know, don't give somebody the job if you're not going to give them the resources. And in the same way, I don't want to give myself the tasks if I'm not going to allow myself to be available for them. It isn't that I'm really trying to ignore dabbing or anything. I just need to reduce so I can rebalance, you know, with this new version of me, this new health I'm pursuing in 2023. And I'm still probably going to average somewhere between like two and five a day, which I'd imagine for most people is still way more than they would be able to deal with, right? Uh, But it's all about what works for you. And so it's not to say that we're trying to do a high score or who took the most or the least kind of, but I know that for my lifetime, that is the most weed I've probably consumed in a calendar year. And it's not to say that I need to beat it the following year. I think I showed a couple of coworkers I have, hey man, I went over 3,200 dabs this year. So I would say that I definitely know what's going on in the dab world in the PA program. And they were like, oh man, don't worry. I bet you can break 4,000 this year. And I was looking in the eye and be like, oh, that's not my goal. Oh, I'm not trying to keep graduating up further and further. I'm pretty sure the higher you go, the less teeth you have. And I need these teeth. I love chewing. And so once again, it kind of, brings into focus, you know, however you dose, however you find relief, however you like to party, whatever your use of cannabis may prescribe, it's for you. You can always let other people know, but it isn't to say that you should be encouraged by my number. Hopefully it just makes people understand that if it comes in step and in pace, you can do some things which look absolutely unreasonable, right? High in the rafters, impossible to repeat. And that actually did happen, right? And I still feel like a fine human being. So hopefully for anybody out there who might think, oh, what's too much or too little? Believe me, you can go a lot further than you think and still come back to zero. But don't just do it for no reason, right? Hopefully there's good reason to do it. I'll always test it for us just to make sure, you know, uh, the scene is ready and available, right? We can all kind of move towards it if you want, but only if you want. Because I know that there's folks out there who have done too much and there might have been a permanent change to their biology. It might have unlock something they didn't want or change something over, I can say there's there's a heavy lot of dissociation. Thankfully, as a philosopher and a guy who thinks a lot abstractly, dissociation doesn't bother me as much as it might bother some folks. It probably would have sent like my wife into like a permanent panic attack if she even did a crumb of what I do because she doesn't consume cannabis. So that wouldn't really be a great strategy for her. But overall, right, from a lot of this hodgepodge of information, uh, some takeaways from the episode. The Puffco Peak Pro is a beast. After a year of beating its ass, I can say it is still going to take a licking and keep on ticking. By all means, if you want to waste some money on a gorgeous and expensive device, the Peak Pro, I'd say, is a lovely weapon uh, for your dabbing. The Proxy, pretty good. But that $100 of difference in cost is represents way more than $100 in difference of value between the Proxy being okay and the Peak being incredible. Now, I know somebody out there might have bought a peak and it was DOA and it didn't work on arrival, and I get you. But at the very least, I'm just talking from my own personal experience, if that makes sense. Certainly, I know this might sound like it was a long Puffco commercial, but they don't sponsor this podcast. Although I am very much uh, ears open, you know, hand out in case you ever want to figure out what sponsorship looks like. I'm a huge fan of Puffco, and I'm dedicated to only representing the brands, companies, products that I myself use and enjoy. It makes no sense to me to do otherwise. So I use Puffco all the time. I own every device they have. Not every accessory. I'm not a rich man, but every device they have. And so I would support them in that. I think they're doing a heck of a job and a damn good one at that. Um, So the peak wins in that. 
And if you end up wanting to go super dab like I did in a year, just remember the financial cost is massive. The biological cost is measurable and the mental change is obvious. So with all that in mind, I wish you guys a happy 2023. This is the first episode of the new year for us. I actually uh, did finish a previous recording uh, with good old Keegan Mack, my second in command. However, I totally flubber lugged that in an editing session and uh, I do not believe I'll be able to recover those files at this point. You know, we'd done an episode talking about Brittany Griner's situation as she had just come home at the time and a little bit in the future of the cannabis uh, chamber to let you know what was going on. So I'll have to kind of redo that with him next time. Uh, however, this is what I have for you right now and I hope it was helpful for you, especially for you extract folks or folks who are thinking about going towards dabs. It's a brilliant area. It creates amazing experiences. But always know why, right? Don't don't go too overboard. There's there's no success at the end of 3,500 dabs in a year. Uh, it's just a number, right? And only high schoolers count. But that is all I have for you today. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check us out at uschamberofcannabis.com as our website is live. And as uh, we know, we are t- accepting donations for the upcoming year. I will have a brilliant episode coming up soon, really talking about the, the depth of festivals. But I'm actually going to come off of this recording onto a call to talk exactly about how we might be able to pull that off. We may be able to get a celebrity, do it at a drive-in, really create a cultural event for a limited amount of people. These are gonna be small batch festivals, my friends. So hopefully you have some time available around the week of 420 or just before, because we may just have something to impress you. And if you wanna help support us otherwise, of course, hit us on the website, let us know how we're doing. But until next time, my friends, I'll leave you with my classic words to grow knowledge, and extract truth. This is the professor out. Be well.